Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, why Jesus dismissed a pleading woman as a dog, some of the differences between the Father and the Son, and Jesus deliberately pushes people away by preaching they should eat his flesh and drink his blood. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right, our Come Follow Me curriculum brings us to uh, Matthew chapters 14 and 15, Mark chapters 6 and 7, and John 5 and 6. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> we're going to get started with a, a, an account in Matthew of a woman, a Canaanite woman, who uh, comes seeking the help of Jesus. She has a daughter that is afflicted with a devil. Um, this is the account from uh, Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, the son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Okay, so looking at this passage, why is it that Jesus ignored the woman and then proceeded to call her a dog? Um... I think there are a lot of correct answers, but at least part of it was the obligation that Jesus had to the covenants sworn to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, that wasn't just a joke when he promised that all nations of the earth would be blessed by that covenant, that they would rise up and call Abraham their father. Um, they would learn of God through this people. That was a fundamental part of that covenant through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would also receive uh, the ordinances of the priesthood, be able to make covenants with God through the priesthood that would be had among this people. That doesn't just get thrown away on a whim. That's It's got to be something very significant uh, for there to be an exception to this. His mission truly was to the house of Israel. And it's a disservice that is done when people believe, oh yeah, that's Old Testament, that was fulfilled. It was fundamental to what Jesus taught and how he acted. Uh, and it's certainly consistent with what he said to this woman. 
a lot of times um, it, this can be tough as a story because we like to think of Jesus as a loving person in all circumstances. And there's good value for that. Um, however, another important pattern to recognize, particularly as we are studying the actual words of the New Testament, is his tendency to challenge those who he loved. This wasn't reserved for just, you know, Canaanite women in need of help. For example, uh, we talked about in our last podcast, the whole idea of parables. It's meant for people uh, who specifically invested the time and effort to decipher them, to think and pray and commune with them. It's not for everyone. And uh, as opposed to his closest disciples who did have faith, they received explanations for them. He did not treat everyone differently. He intentionally obfuscated his message at times. Even to those who were his apostles, his choice apostles. Peter, who to whom Jesus would entrust the keys of his kingdom. He received these words from Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. This is in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. To Peter, who he's trusting to run his kingdom, calls him Satan and an offense. I mean, sometimes, even though he loves us, he will use strong wording and uh, and uh, the way that he treats us might not be the way that we typically think of when we use the adjective Christ-like. Um, uh, another example, uh, certainly other people of the tribe of Judah were not exempt from this. Um, he, he directly told uh, some of the Pharisees that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. That's in Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. You know, house of Israel, lost sheep of Israel, certainly they would qualify, but he didn't pull any punches. Because above all other considerations, the truth was fundamental to his identity. He is the truth. And honoring his covenants, honoring his plan, honoring his father's will, it comes above everything else. Everything else. I think it's also significant, uh, uh, more importantly even perhaps, than understanding that this occasionally happens, that God may reprove us with sharpness, um, understanding how to deal with that sharpness, how to, how to react to that, how we respond to sharp counsel uh, can either greatly help us, or we can let it hinder ourselves. For example, the Pharisees, when they heard hard counsel, uh, arranged for Jesus to be killed. That was their response. They decided that murder, deceit, and murder, the way that they arranged that. And we'll talk about that, you know, obviously later in the New Testament, how they deceived uh, what their purpose was to the Romans to arrange his death. 
that was absolutely murder. Um, it pushed them to that because they could not handle what he was teaching. Consider, or rather contrast, that example with the example of the Canaanite woman in this story, who said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Didn't try to argue or say, You shouldn't treat me that way, or I deserve better. She humbled herself and continued to plead for help and hoped that he would have compassion. And of course, that's totally different than what many of the other people who were around Jesus did. And the result was also totally different. Unable to deny her faith, he honored her request. I think it's important to remember any person who believes that they are above correction need to stop judging themselves. You can't excuse yourself. This is something that God decides. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future, where the, the humble shall be exalted and the proud shall be abased. Another fundamental teaching of Jesus acted out in real time in this example with the Canaanite woman. Uh, we'll see a little bit more of that as we continue in the New Testament. All right. Judgment of the Son of God himself. Uh, after healing a man on the Sabbath, Jesus was attacked by his uh, one of the frequent antagonists, the Pharisees. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and Jesus answers uh, this way. He says, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but also but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. This is in John chapter 5. Ironically, Jesus consistently put himself below his father. He constantly submitted his own will to that of his father. Uh, and he expresses that if we continue looking in John 5. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Very curious set of verses. We talk about this relationship between our, our Heavenly Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now the Son doesn't do any of these decisions himself, but on the other hand, judgment is given to the Son. Um, how does that work? Uh, I think it's a very important question to consider. One of the things um, that is important, I think, for a lot of people who like to say, oh, you know, here's a sin that's not a big deal, is that Jesus is actually the victim of all sin 
when we think about that, when people do whatever, you know, idle sin they may have, whatever careless acts they may do, cruelty, unkindness, anger, lust, any of these things that people do, Jesus paid the price for all of that. There are no victimless sins. His suffering was unspeakable torture for these simple things that people think are not a big deal. And so those who trivialize the consequences of their choices, they will have to face their victim. Judgment is given to him because he determines whether or not they've accepted him. How do you face the person that you have wronged? The, the person who was hurt most by every bad choice that you have made. How do you face that person? Particularly if you thought it wasn't a big deal. And then you realize that yes, it was. Um, of course, those who humble themselves, those who offer a broken heart and a contrite spirit, who regret their behavior, who try to hate the sin that has caused so much pain to their God, that's a, that's a different interaction. That's a different interaction on Judgment Day. Um, they will receive a completely undeserved mercy and love. The victim of their crimes will deliver a judgment of forgiveness. There's, which is really amazing, truly amazing. Uh, the father allows him to, to be in this position, obviously because he is the victim. He has committed no sin himself. We have. And he offers uh, us, uh, our, our father allows us to go to our advocate, and uh, of course, it's obviously important for us that we find ourselves following the example of that Canaanite woman and doing whatever it is that Jesus wants us to be doing, humbling ourselves and begging for his help. Uh, if we think about another thing in John chapter 5 that he talks about are the witnesses of Christ's div divinity that he isn't witnessing himself of himself. Um, God sent John, John the Baptist. He says, he sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. That's in chapter 5, verse 33. And then, not his words bearing witness of him, but his works. He says, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. So you can tell by what he was doing, this was the Son of God. Uh, the Father himself, he continues in 37 and 38, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me, and ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Uh, you know, rejecting the witnesses that are provided, is not smart. Uh, the scriptures, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. 
going right along the same lines, the prophets. Jesus says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? I think that's uh, just really important to keep in mind. We don't get to pick the way that God reveals his plan, his son, his divinity to us. We only pick how we receive it. Um, obviously, for his apostles, they saw him firsthand. They saw his works. For us, we maybe uh, have to rely a little more on the scriptures and the prophets. That doesn't mean we can say to ourselves, well, I didn't get an adequate witness. God owed me better. No, he didn't. You, if you, If you have these things and you understand them, and you seek them, you can have every bit the witness that is required for you to, to access the power of Jesus Christ. As certainly in a time where there's more scripture than probably in the rest of the history of the world, it's important for us to be grateful for the witnesses, the abundant witnesses that we have. All right. One last uh, section, the bread of life. So Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Uh, this event is described in several of the Gospels. We're going to focus a little more on the account in John and the follow-up after. Five loaves, two fishes, feeds 5,000, collects 12 baskets of leftovers, which is obviously more than the original would have produced. Jesus showed compassion on these people because they had come to listen to him. They didn't come for the food. He offered that because he had compassion on them, trying to access him. Um, of course, after this, the, the fallout, after he feeds the 5,000, a bunch of people uh, come and they're looking for him. What a great guy. He gave us food. Jesus knew exactly what they wanted, and he told them, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So, of course, the people feign interest and say, Oh, no, show us the works of God. But eventually, uh, and by eventually it takes like, you know, two verses, they reveal their true intent. What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So in other words, they're saying, What sign can you show us so that we'll know that you come from God? I've got a great idea. Give us more food. Give us bread. Uh, and so instead of doing that, Jesus uses a series of progressively more offensive metaphors. Uh, he's obviously sifting out the freeloaders, um, and it's it's fascinating to watch as this as this happens as they listen and they wait and finally they turn away. He starts by saying, "I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me." shall never thirst. 
And of course, the response, the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. He continues, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. And of course, the response to that, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus really leaned into this metaphor, uh, which he knew that they didn't understand. He could tell their confusion immediately. They were after bread, and he really pushed hard. It's not just, I'm the bread. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Otherwise, you can't go to heaven. And uh, that was really a shocking statement for people who had no idea he was using a metaphor or what he was talking about. Um, and even his disciples maybe were a little taken aback by that. And he turned to them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Of course, Jesus did not come to make all our problems go away and make life easy. He demands a lot. Sometimes he says things that are confusing. Sometimes what we get from the scriptures may seem to contradict with each other. Or what a prophet may ask us to do may be a little difficult. But how we respond when we encounter adversity is critical to our development, our growth as children of God. Sometimes it may seem, like the woman of Canaan, that the heavens are silent, that Jesus is ignoring us. Humility is the key to unlocking power. Jesus truly is that nourishing power that came from heaven to transform people starving for goodness, truth, and justice into people who can receive his greatest gift at that great and last day. He is the bread of life. I appreciate the support of everyone who uh, enjoys the Word Preacher podcast. Uh, next week, we will cover Matthew chapters 16 and 17, Mark 8 and 9. Luke 9 will emphasize the keys of the kingdom and the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, please make sure you study this week's assignment uh, in the Come Follow Me curriculum. And as always, fight on.